And we are live, folks. Welcome to episode 3,439 of the Survival Podcast. If you are tracking it as a Bitcoin breakout episode, I believe today is episode 47 of the Bitcoin breakout from TSP. And I have a really cool dude, Tomek K. He will be on with us in just a bit. He works with Albi. He also is involved with some other really cool stuff uh, like Bitcoin Films. And uh, some guerrilla activism stuff and Bitcoin culture. And this is just going to be an awesome interview. Even those of you that are not fully orange-pilled yet, I think you'll gain from it because uh, this this is a very eclectic group. I was talking to Tomek about that uh, before we went live. And he was like, is it all survival people? I'm like, no, it's, it's all over the map. Uh, but one thing we have in common is this concept of agorism and libertarianism like the flag behind me. So I think you'll get something out of that even if you're not fully on board with Bitcoin yet. Now, let's go ahead before we bring Tomek on and go ahead and hear from our sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is Jeff the Berkey Guy Gleason, available at usaberkeyfilters.com. I think that you really should be drinking the cleanest and best water that you can. I think the system for that should be one that can't really fail because it has no moving parts. That's a Berkey all day long. Jeff was a sponsor of the show very early in the days. Uh, he was gone for a couple of years. He's back again. Some people said, can you buy Berkey? Yes, you can. But I tried to buy some stuff there. and it would Get on the wait list with Jeff because some of the stuff is in short supply right now. But you don't want to buy your Berkey stuff from some random clown. Go to the original uh, Berkey guy himself, Jeff the Berkey guy, Gleason. Next up, what are you going to do with your money beyond the money that you're dropping into Bitcoin and stacking Bitcoin? Well, you're probably going to want to invest at least some of it into some other places and you want to check out something called the Wealth Studying Podcast with John Pugliano. John's been part of our community since about 2010, serves on our expert council. He's one of us. He's actually a prepper just like us guys. He, you know, he's all into the gardening and stuff. He's a ham radio operator. He's just a really great dude and he's just a servant to our community in so many ways. You want to check out his podcast. It's completely free. It's short. It's 15, 20 minutes an episode, a couple of weeks. Sometimes it's only one a week. Uh, subscribe, check him out. He's an awesome dude. He's an excellent investment manager as well. I'll just say that I would trust him with my money, so that means that I am comfortable telling you you could trust him with yours. With that, let's go ahead and bring our special guest on today, Tomek. Tomek, welcome to the Survival Podcast, man. Hey, everyone. How are you? Cheers from Poland. I'm, I was going to say, I'm glad you're here, man, and all the way from Poland. So I know there was a pretty good-sized time differential there, so it's probably pretty late in the day uh, for you. So thank you for taking the time to be with us here today, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me and uh, all of you guys watching us. Absolutely. So um, let's start off with, instead of digging into, you know, Albi and some of the other stuff, how did you personally discover Bitcoin? Like when... And what hooked you and got you involved at a level beyond just being a, a, a sat stacker? Uh, well, Bitcoin has been on radar quite early because uh, since my like teenage years, I, I was like a libertarian activist over here in Poland. So like naturally, I got to hear something about like, oh, there is like this Americans are using this libertarian money and <laughs> you can buy some drugs with it or something. And it's actually something that they were like predicting and Hayek was writing about it. And yeah, yeah, sure. Like I was maybe 21 and I didn't, I didn't grasp it fully, but, but I was much into developing my 
knowledge about libertarianism, Ayn Rand's objectivism and promoting these ideas, uh, I got my NGO and did various activities over here in Poland to promote radical free market and capitalism. And like doing these various various activities, uh, I know political actions or sport tournaments or conferences, educational programs, uh, I kind of got a little bit disappointed that ne neither worked, uh, and also like that the also pandemic. But even if before pandemic hit, like I didn't see that. Uh, people actually took much action towards liberty other than just talking about I, I was just disappointed with libertarian movement over here I don't know how how, how it's uh, back there but um, and I thought okay why these guys why we are not like utilizing Bitcoin that much it looks like uh, it's a libertarian tool right and it's still it's still there uh, it works and uh, like maybe maybe this is something practical for liberty so it was like around 2019 I think uh, I invited some speakers. I want to have Bitcoin at my conference. Uh, it's called Weekend of Capitalism. And I invited some Bitcoin speakers and they told me, hey, you should bring this uh, Saifedin Amus. He, he wrote this book, Bitcoin Standard. So I look in, looked into book and with a friend who has this publishing house in Poland, uh, Freedom Publishing, we published, he, he arranged translation and he published the Bitcoin Standard in Polish. So oh, okay. also it, like, I was then like falling down the rabbit hole, so to speak. Mm, and yeah, then like pandemic came and also confirmed mm, some of the stuff uh, I learned. Uh, yeah, and I'm like a Bitcoiner now, uh, kind of fully into it. My career also oriented uh, towards like this Bitcoin activism and working in Bitcoin. I would say that I think that a lot of people have been sucked into the rabbit hole by the book, The Bitcoin Standard. I think that and I think that if you really want a, a broad understanding, and this is for the audience, not so much for you, that... Uh, the Bitcoin standard plus the fiat standard by the same author. I think the two of those together give you an incredible picture of the world that we're in. Uh, and if you're not orange pilled, you might be after that. I mean, that that might be all it takes for some people that are holdouts. There's a lot of holdouts, but um, we're, we're really here for the people that are interested today. So can you kind of come at this before we get into all the you use a term on your app here, Bitcoin culture. I've actually never heard anybody put it that way. I've heard Bitcoin community. I actually really love the term Bitcoin culture. What do you mean by that? Mm, well, I, I don't know if I'm I'm the one to define what, what what is Bitcoin culture, but I think it's some it's a phenomena that is already appearing in this community. This community is, of course, no older than 15 years old. So, right, we have now uh, kind of cultural memes kind of toposes and like sets of values that resonate more in Bitcoin communities. And I think this is what we call Bitcoin culture. And we see it specifically and watch it in films, in Bitcoin films that uh, are out there. And I'm like trying to watch everything that is out there. And of course, Bitcoin films is even younger concept than Bitcoin and Bitcoin culture. But this is where you see these things also being manifested. And we are also asking this question, what is Bitcoin film? Is this just film about Bitcoin and do all the Bitcoin films and only Bitcoin films would be just flashing B, uh, letter and like Bitcoin, Bitcoin talking about this asset? No, there is like some some of the people in this space, they say that even Matrix is a Bitcoin film while there is no Bitcoin. And uh, it was it, it was created before Bitcoin. So there is it's it's a discovery, right? But I think it's it's not nothing very new or original. There is something like a Bitcoin culture. There is something like Bitcoin film, which doesn't have to be 
about Bitcoin. It doesn't have wow. to even include, uh, you know, this blockchain or decentralized money, but it's, it's a, I, I guess it's not very clearly defined yet. Maybe Saif is trying to advocate for a uh, military diet uh, to be a part of Bitcoin culture, right? Some of us are, uh, probably most of us agree that it's something about autonomy, independence, power of the small against state, some anti-systemic look, enlightened look after taking the orange peel on the world that something is wrong with it, right? So I think that's, that, that's why Matrix is also so much loved by Bitcoiners because it represents values of Bitcoin culture. And I think we are seeing this culture emerges now. Uh, of course, we, are, we have books like Bitcoin Standard and it's book about Bitcoin. There is not that many books that are Bitcoin books, but not about Bitcoin. You know what I mean? No, I do know what you mean, and I'm gonna I'm gonna explain it kind of maybe in a weird way. I don't know how familiar you are with you know U.S. movies uh, being from Poland, but there's a very well-known movie it came out a long, long time ago with Bruce Willis in it called Die Hard. And there's the whole debate: is it a Christmas movie? Well, there's no Christmas plot in it, but it takes place at Christmas time, and it has Christmas elements in it, and therefore there's a whole group of mostly guys that say it's a Christmas movie. And I, I think that's what you're saying. Like, you know, if you look back to like the 1970s, there was a movie called Easy Rider. And there's a whole dialogue in it between two of the guys in the movie where they're sitting out in the desert. And he explains the way that, you know, you're being controlled and what freedom really is. And that would be the kind of thing you're talking about, that there is an ethos in Bitcoin that is not just about Bitcoin. Bitcoin is one expression of that ethos of freedom, of independence, of autonomy. And it's actually a really interesting rabbit hole, like a side side tunnel in the rabbit hole to go down is, you know, how I wonder how many people might get on board a little quicker with that messaging, because there's tons of people that love all of that. And then you're like, well, here's a tool for that. Well, I don't want a tool. It's going to go to zero or some other nonsense, you know, and, and the Bitcoin obituaries keep growing. I think that's going to I'm sure you're familiar with the Bitcoin obituaries at 99bitcoins.com. But I, I think that growth rate of that's going to slow down a lot now with some uh, hmm. a lot more mainstream adoption. I've always said with the ETFs, like one of the reasons I'm pro ETF existence, not necessarily buying it, but it, it existing is when something's in the retirement accounts of teachers and cops and firefighters, the government doesn't doesn't mess with it anymore. Like it, that's a place if you touch it, you get electrocuted. I, I think you said something interesting about uh, mm, this uh, cu culture being something that brings people to Bitcoin, like being something uh, something else that maybe people are not in interested in technicals on infrastructure. I think that yes, I agree in a sense, but even 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 I think it's even more because culture is this medium of you know, expressed with images, music, uh, behaviors, traditions uh, of of some values, of some uh, of some um, virtues, of some outlook on the world, and um, it's it's probably invading minds of of populace of people more than educational action or some propaganda action. Uh, I, I'm I'm kind of agreeing with. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm like Ayn Rand's follower, and I, I think she also picked that 
medium to convey her message. And she, I think she even said that she became a writer because she thought that through culture, she, these ideas can be most effectively spread. Mm. And definitely look, look, look at cinema, right? Uh, what role is, except for like, of course, entertainment, etc., is cinema, education, social, social, social messaging, is cinema, what role is it fulfilling in society, in the world? It's kind of preparing the world, what's coming ahead, what's, what's coming next. And of course, there has to be some artist, visionary that creates this film, but without culture being before that, people will not follow. Similar was with internet. They, like in 90s, we had this email me, we had this, uh, uh, there was this SMS uh, movie. We had like this, it, it, it was not only infrastructure had to be built for internet to be adopted, but also it had to be presented as a good positive thing in culture. It, or maybe no one did it, but it, it went in parallel uh, to the, to what was happening in the infrastructural level. And same, I think we have with Bitcoin. Mm, and same, it's also with Bitcoin cinema. We need to prepare with, with Bitcoin films, with Bitcoin books, with Bitcoin stories, kind of prepare, show, accommodate the audience, accommodate viewers of your film with the world on Bitcoin to, because it, it's going to be much more difficult to accept such change, you know, coming from, phone or some device that you don't understand if you have not seen it before in advertisement, in memes, in like general popular acceptance, right? Culture. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, what I've seen in movies and, you know, television series and stuff like this about Bitcoin up till now, if you, if you leave out kind of the loose cultural association with freedom and liberty, but like when they actually mention it, it's all been mostly negative. It's been the drug guy is using it to launder mm. money or some crap like that. But I, I, I think we'll see that change even in like mainstream cinema over time because now the messaging is you should have this, right? Uh, because rich people get richer if you have some now, uh, if you have it in their form anyway. But in this, this Bitcoin film, and, and I'll, I'll bring the, the, the website up again here. Is this like then a mix of like, maybe some older movies that have the theme, but are not really about Bitcoin and independent cinema. Like what exactly is this initiative? And it is available folks. And I've got it in the show notes as well at bitcoinfilmfest.com. Mm, yes. The initiative started uh, as an event, which we did in March last year in Warsaw, a Bitcoin film festival. So we gathered Bitcoin films that we knew exist and then we watched and they were good enough to show. We agreed with the cinema. We invited some European, mostly Bitcoiners and we had quite a nice event. And it kind of put us in like the center of this Bitcoin cinema industry. Uh, this industry of course existed because many people were doing actually quite many more than we expected. They were doing some thing about motion picture with Bitcoin, mm, but there was nobody like in the middle like us. So we like became kind of networking media info hub for Bitcoin cinema space. And yeah, we are running a community. We are running Twitter, monitoring what's happening in Bitcoin, Bitcoin films. We are promoting uh, filmmakers. We are showing them at various conferences. We already been to a few and we are organizing this main Bitcoin film festival in Warsaw, second edition now in, in, in April. Uh, but mainly it's uh, what's, I think it's important what is happening 
behind the scenes, behind the kind of large screen, because there is actually a quite nice and growing network of people in Bitcoin cinema, uh, producers, actors, investors, and uh, we all meet live in Warsaw and people who love cinema. So if you guys want to come, uh, please feel welcome. This is like our our Hollywood on the orange peel side. And we are also trying to be there for the, for the Hollywood industry, for the fiat legacy classic cinema industry, because we already know about some people who kind of got orange peeled from like popular names, but they are like maybe not open yet about it. And they eventually would probably be, and there will be more of them. And some of them, they don't want to work anymore for fiat industry. They are looking for people alike, right? This is a, it's not only films about Bitcoin. It's a, Hollywood for the orange peeled because uh, we don't, it's not, as I said, it's not just films about Bitcoin. It's it, let's make another matrix. Let's make some film that opens eyes. Yeah. Let's make a talks, matrix maybe like talks original, about, right? Let's make a matrix like the original matrix, not the freaking third one or the fourth one, the new one, like the so reboot was just awful. But the original <laughs> matrix, like that is a big, how many, how many people that do like tropes and memes and stuff have taken clips from Matrix movies and used them as Bitcoin collateral? Like Guy Swan's <laughs> done that to the extreme. Tons of people have though. Like that's a, that's a perfect example of a movie that's a mainstream movie. And that usually I say comments and questions for the end, but this is actually a good place to bring this in. Crafty says, "Do you feel?" And I think he misspelled it, but the Bitcoin culture is building tropes and stories that can relate to people at large. Or are we causing Bitcoiners to isolate from the general public? I kind of think it's both because we do kind of have an inner culture. And here's what I mean by it. Like, so I did a seminar series for a friend about two weeks ago where I was a presenter and it had nothing to do with Bitcoin. It was about my presentation was on composting. Right. So that's as far away as you could probably get. And one of the people in the chat while I'm presenting on this board starts using certain terminology. And so I'm on the chat when I'm not talking, you know, hitting the people up. And he was using terms like long time preference. Right. And I don't remember the other. But he said one other thing. I'm like, dude, is a Bitcoin. I said so and so is a Bitcoiner in the chat. And he's like, absolutely. And so just by language in a totally unrelated setting, we were immediately able to identify each other as Bitcoiners. And I think that mm. can actually be to some people a bit of a turnoff. Like if you don't know about a certain subject and, and it's kind of interesting, but you don't know about it. And two guys are talking about it, you're like, oh, I'm going to listen. And they start speaking nerd for whatever the thing is. Like they're, you're using terms and not things you don't know. And they have like an insider language. You kind of tune out. But the other side of it is <clears throat> some of these things are universal and independent of Bitcoin. Bitcoin's just an expression of them like freedom and independence and autonomy. And I think so there's room for both. Because we're not going to stop using our lingo and we're not going to stop being proud of who we are. We're not going to start stop being cohesive. But I guess we have to balance that with being receptive so that you're not like the click in school that nobody can get into, if that makes sense. Like a sect. No, yeah, but I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah like some of a sect, right? Yeah. But I can see that this is uh, also kind of evolving, maturing. Bitcoin events are more of them are trying not to be just about Bitcoin. Let's talk right. First Bitcoin events, maybe Bitcoin were more about price. Then they decided, okay, we are not talking about price anymore. And they explore various niches, Nost, etc. But some of them are like, like ours. Uh, we'll try not to talk about Bitcoin infrastructure. Of course, it's important, but it's, it's not 
it's it's other guys do it better. So we talk only about Bitcoin culture and this Bitcoin value values because this is this is probably also something that could bring more people right in. Yeah. And, and I I see this also in culture that it's kind of evolving in a way that uh, if you were checking some Bitcoin art five years ago, um, whether like some YouTube abstract art or some posters graphic art, they were mostly you know big letter and with some digital nice colors things like bam bam whatever bitcoin art like bitcoin here is bitcoin here is bitcoin and it's it's a bit childish but it's understandable because yeah. uh, it's nine years old asset right so it's a child still and this art also is now probably it's in it in its teenage age age that we can see that okay this is like a there is like a maybe a bit of propaganda right maybe it's yeah. too much in front of your eyes but but it's a <laughs> it's a roman story or it's a science fiction that questions the role of individual in a society on a Bitcoin standard, right? So it's about something else, but uh, I think it's talking more to newbies, to people from outside, because they are more interested in, most people are more interested in love, in doing sports, in role of people in the society than in a digital asset. Correct. Mm, Correct. So the more this art matures, uh, the more probably inclusive it would look like and less like a sect and niche and click because those art like with a, this digital B and you come, you come to such event and you say B, 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 this looks <laughs> more like a sect then, right? I got you. I got you. Um, let's talk a little bit about Aldi. So I've been a fan of Aldi for a long time, but when I really saw like it becoming a killer utility, was when Noster surfaced and I got on Noster and not only could I use Aldi as my wallet to receive and send zaps, which for those that are on the audio version of this uh, later on after the live stream's done, um, while he was talking, I went to the Bitcoin Film Fest, found their link to their Noster profile, went to their Noster profile and zapped one of their posts for 55 sats because <laughs> I just wanted to. Right. And like, th 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 there's a freedom in that. Right. Like I just transferred a tiny like a couple cents worth of value to an entity that I think is doing a good thing for a post that I thought was cool. And I was able to do that with such. No, no real effort. Like that was easier than making a PayPal payment. Right. Like I'm talking to you, interviewing you, and I'm doing this as a side function. And there is no one can get in the way of that transaction. So. I didn't have to tell Albi really who I was or KYCN, which is know your customer for those that don't know that term or anything like that. I just installed a browser extension, signed up with it, used Albi to generate my Noster keys. Now, again, we're starting to sound like we're talking nerd or something, but it's really easy. It's pushing a button. And then I managed my Noster clients using Albi, at least when I'm in a browser. And now I have this ability to cha change value with people. Um, and do this over lightning. So it, it, for those that were on the video and saw it, it's, it's almost instantaneous. It's faster than a credit card transaction. Um, yes. Aldi is just awesome. How did you get linked with Aldi? Uh, myself, I was a user. Uh, and one of my friends uh, is uh, my local Bitcoin Maxi friend with whom we are doing meetups. He, he, he's working for them as a UX designer. And they also were partners on, Albi was also partners of the first Bitcoin Film Festival. So that's how we we, we got in touch. I was attending the community calls and uh, we decided to collaborate. So I'm working at Albi now. Uh, yeah, and uh, as you see, uh, as you're saying, uh, for those who don't know, Albi is, uh, we have various products. It's a 
startup that started as an open source project uh, of Albi extension, and extension is one of our main products. It's still evolving and now has many features, but it's basically your, or we call it, call it your Bitcoin and Noster companion uh, for the web or on the web. So there are like this Bitcoin space of Bitcoin web apps is very quickly evolving recently. And there is many, uh, ex besides uh, podcasting, uh, there is many places where you can transfer value for meeting people, for watching people, for uh, reading their stuff, for watching their stuff, for whatever you could imagine. There are places, platforms uh, popping up every week, new ones that you can easily use with value for value monetization model. And it's a new economy enabled by smooth payments uh, by Lightning uh, Bitcoin. Mm, and that's what Albi uses. Uh, Albi also provides a Lightning wallet. So it lets you very easily with easy click operate with various platforms. So it uses uh, some type of protocols that communicate very easily for both programmers that build this website, uh, Lightning Network managed by Albi and user uh, that you can, you know, click and pay on for any reason and with uh, various uh, innovative future, uh, features. Mm, we are also trying to enable this innovation. So Albi is like a building block for developers on which uh, other innovators can come and build, okay, I want to build a podcasting app or I want to build a Netflix, but on streaming on Satoshi. And Albi is providing that uh, tools to make it easier for developers and for users because having this extension in your browser, it's really like having a companion that in an easy way lets you manage your sats. Yeah, and it's, it is really powerful that you can branch out into all these other things. Like I, I started to realize like all these different ways that you can use all be like you can use it for value for value and use it to uh, send value to people on, let's say uh, podcasting 2.0 app like Fountain FM. And that's, that's one example. And then the other thing that I've been really excited about is just how rapid the growth of, of Noster clients has been, because I think there's an awful lot of people who they look at Noster like a Twitter clone. They don't really understand what it really is. Like that was the first like killer app, I guess, that came out of Noster was we could make something like Twitter mm -hmm. and we could all communicate with each other. We could DM, we could do all this stuff. But there is like Bitcoin was for gamblers, yeah. right? At the beginning, yeah. Bitcoin was that you could go to Silk Road and buy dope and get it sent to your house. Like that's 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 what it was, right? And it and it was like so much like, dude, you don't understand. That's not what Bitcoin is. That's a thing people are doing with Bitcoin. And Noster is kind of like that same utility. Like there are sites now that are basically like uh, like the Substack version of, of a, a Noster client. And we're seeing more and more stuff come out. And then Albi just kind of plugs in to all these things. And I think that, you know, beyond Albi, that's the future is to, to making this interoperability. So if I like Albi and you like Wallet of Satoshi, do you use what you want? I'll use what I would. No one's like, I don't want your money because you use the wrong bank. Right. So if you are your own bank, you should be able to decide what kind of banner you put over your bank. Uh, and that's uh, that's thanks not to Albi, but to all of the open source contributors to the ecosystem. And the fact that in Bitcoin ethos, there is also a, I think there is a Bitcoin culture of a software development where uh, things are built meant to be interoperable and meant to be built upon open sourced 
verifiable. Uh, Albi also, Albi extension is open source. You can see what's happening with your SATs, who has the keys, we don't. Mm, and uh, this fact that Fountain can very easily, you know, whether you have a wallet, uh, wallet of Satoshi or Albi or another wallet and this transaction can be done easily is thanks to the, well, we are standing on the shoulders of giants and there is maybe not even few giants, but many of little people that are coding this stuff and they make yeah. WebLN, Nost Wallet Connect, Bitcoin Connect, some of these uh, interesting uh, protocols that are not even Bitcoin anymore, but they are talking, they make computers talking to each other in easy way that we don't have to think about. These developers can have very easy job to make them talk to each other and they use Bitcoin. Mm. So yes, this is uh, thanks to uh, this lightning open source Bitcoin community. Uh, these things are possible and I think uh, it's very slow to notice. Yes, but if you are. can imagine, if you can imagine like humanity in two year 2100 if you ask anyone on the street they would tell you oh yeah we would be flying to okay if they are optimistic about future and no wars but usually we think that there is like a development we will be flying to mars and you know the great tech but it, they don't think that it wouldn't be possible if we wouldn't have sound money healthy money but also such money that would be as information lightless very easy to be programmed and used in such ways that we don't even know what this ways could be in the year 2100. The, you know, internet was also first, it was sold as a, yeah, sold, first narration of internet, but it was like, it's like a newspaper, right? But on the yeah. screen. Yeah, yeah. Imagine yeah, how, how, how much more internet is now than a newspaper. Yeah. So same, yeah. same goes for Bitcoin. It's like, it's like gold, but in digital, but imagine how much more it can, there can be, so we don't even know what, what innovation can be built. Mm, yeah. Fascinating, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, it, it seems to me, I'm like in my 50s, right? So I talk like an old man now. But it seems like yesterday that I remember the beanheads on Good Morning America trying to figure out what Internet was, like even what it was. And they were looking at an email address and they're like, what's that? It was the at civil in an email. They couldn't understand. Like these are like four people on a major network television show. And it, the internet was a thing by then, or else you would have had this conversation. Like people were using it regular. I was using it at work, um, and they didn't even understand what it was. And I think there's a lot of people like when you listen to, to talk about Bitcoin and define it, and you go, "That's not what Bitcoin is." And I think that's one of the things that I keep trying to reiterate to my audience. Who's like, "I'm too late." Like we're not. There's no late here. This is now you're. If you snooze this year, I think you're really like one of the last major entry points because, you know, we were talking about the effect of ETF inflows and things like that. But I, then I look at it like translating it over to like Noster and, and the different things that all be plugs into. I don't think most people are grokking what we're seeing right now. We're seeing this evolution from platforms to protocols from applications to clients where all of this stuff becomes interoperable and I choose what I see and who I talk to and who hears from me. And, you know, Elon Musk doesn't make that decision. Mark Zuckerberg doesn't make that decision. This, you know, Jamie Dimon doesn't make that decision. I communicate with who I want. I exchange value with who I want. And all you can do if you don't like it is cry harder. 
And I think the more tools we build and the more interoperable those tools become, the more that becomes the case. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. There are some uh, comments. Uh, I saw somebody said that uh, everyone in Nostri is using one app, one client. Yeah, I, I don't know how much about it. Uh, it would be nice to check some stats. Uh, if they look, iPhone users, I guess, use mostly Damus, but there is yeah. so many clients. I, I myself, I, I switch every day between like three or four to see if there is some update or which one is less painful to use. Yeah. Because some of them are, and mm, that, that's that's normal. We have to get used. This is sort of, uh, and of course, uh, innovation on Nostr is growing. Uh, I agree with you, Jack. But if you take a look at the amount of users, there are some stats that are counting uh, how many public keys with BIOS are posting. It's stagnating. It's like yeah. very low. It's like 20, I think it's, there is only 25,000 weekly active users. So it's not much. Uh, but, but there is so many things and, uh, working at Albi, I can see it. Uh, so many things are being built and it's, it, we are ready for, for next year, next waves, I guess. Mm, can't wait to see uh, all of this various, you know, new next generation Google Maps or some link redirection tools or some GitHubs that are built on decentralized tools that use a bit different protocol that is not so easy to censor. Mm, maybe it's a bit slow today, mm, but it has value attached. So I really like exploring Nost because I feel... Mm, I feel like this vibe of early internet. Early for me was like yeah, early 2000. Yeah. And, and, you know, visiting uh, these strange websites, clicking links, uh, having these strange pop-ups, things did not work, and you had to look dig deep for content, but the content was gold. And now, I'm, when I'm scrolling Twitter or Facebook, I have like... I feel bad with myself that I'm doing that. You know, I, I, I'm not aware yet of it, but I feel like guilty for doing that. And like, this content is shit and it's advertisement. And then I go to Nostra and even if these people are only writing good morning, good morning, I still feel better doing that because I feel like I'm part of this, you know, something is cooking here and I'm, yeah. I'm already here. Yeah. And I mean, the, the Nostra activity is enough that you guys throttle entry into Aldi now. And I'm going to venture that, uh, Noster and Zapathons are probably part of that. Like you guys can only grow and scale so fast. I run a lightning node and I started doing so primarily so that I would understand it. Uh, I'm completely comfortable using for the amount that I'm moving around with lightning, completely comfortable using someone else's node for that. But because I've done it and I understand balancing and stuff, I get why that can be an issue. Like having the channels open and the balance channels for receiving and sending. It's it's uh, it, it, so there is a lot of activity there. Um, but I think that you're right that we're going to see things that haven't been built yet get built very rapidly. One of the ones I've been kind of forecasting is, is something that either will or needs to be built. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar. You mentioned maps, and this is what made me think of it. If you're familiar with Waze, I don't know if you guys use Waze in Europe or not, but Waze is an app, a navigation uh, app, mm -hmm. just like mm -hmm. the native okay. map app on iPhone. Well, you pull Waze up, and the difference is you put your destination you want to go in, and Waze has the ability for, I'm driving down the road, there's a wreck. I can hit a button, say there's a wreck there, and everybody else using that app knows that there's a hazard ahead and where it is. And then it's asking people going by, is it still there? 
And so they keep saying still there until it clears. And once enough people say it's cleared, they stop issuing the warning. But it's not just things like that, it, you know, traffic jams and all. It's also like there's a cop there with a radar gun. So you're, you're hauling ass down the highway 15 miles over the speed limit and a half mile up ahead, you're getting a little whoopee light on your app screen that tells you there's a cop. So you slow down, you don't get a ticket. I'm like, man, with all of the confirmation, like you have confirmations and they're almost like Bitcoin, like after X number of confirmations, it's real. You could integrate lightning into that. And when, when that happened to me, like the last trip I took to Tennessee, I got three of those warnings and I would have been popped all three times. And I would have totally, whoever <laughs> initially t- ratted that cop out, five bucks, right? Whatever number of sats that is, I would have, t- avoiding a ticket and an encounter with law enforcement, hell, I'd give you five bucks. And I'm like, if you do that, basically you've created fountain for driving. And and those, and I, I wonder how many things like that, because there is, there's a book I read a long time ago, and you talk about how things relate to Bitcoin that aren't Bitcoin. It's called Celestine Prophecy. It has nothing to do with Bitcoin. And it's a series of insights in it. And one insight is that we as humans, and this was written around 1992, we as humans would evolve to a point where we are socially interacting to where, like, I would stop and ask you how to get somewhere. And when you told me, I would give you a tip or a tithe, right? I would give you a little bit of money because your information has value to me. And it wouldn't be like, I owe you. You wouldn't do it because you expected it. But we would start to realize the value other humans have. And I'm like, that will never work. And the reason it won't work is if I'm sitting on the on the corner doing something and you ask me how to get to front, front street and I go, go down there, make a left and have a right. And you're there. You're, you're going to be like, here's a buck. I'm going to be like, no, dude, I'm not going to like that's uncomfortable socially. But if I'm on a traffic app and I see somebody's trying to get there and I can see where they are because they've shared their location and I can like drop a pin and say, this is where you're actually trying to get to. And that guy throws me a buck. I'm like, cool. And so when I start looking at how we exchange information mm. online and how we exchange value that way, all of a sudden this prediction looks completely accurate where the technology just wasn't there, but the guy got the concept right, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think you made a very nice description of an example of how infrastructure influences culture directly, right? You you change the uh the monetization, the way the things are monetized, the structure of of, trans, of value transfer, and it influences culture, how person behaves. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, and I, I, I really want to see that kind of development come. And people say, well, you want it, you do it. I'm like, I don't develop shit, right? We all have our wheelhouse, right? Like, I, that's not me. I'm not a co- I'm, in, I'm 51 years old. I'm not going to learn to code. Maybe my grandson will, right? Like we all have our place that we fit in this ecosystem. Um, can you talk a little bit more about like some of the things you can do with Albi other than just link it to an Oster account? Um, so our two main products are Albi account, and Albi account is uh, your we run a node for you, and you have Lightning Wallet which you can access from your browser. You can use it on your phone as your um, progressive web app and use it as a mobile app. It's a, and in any time you don't need app, you can enter, you can log into your getalbi.com page and, and use it as your lightning wallet, right? It's for small amounts because it's a very good starting point on your journey to hopefully self custody. So we also build tools that, uh, that encourage people and make their journey to self-custody easier. And the main one is this extension. And with the ex- extension, you can c- 
connect multiple wallets, multiple nodes that you run. Run it could be self-hosted node that you have it on your home, or you maybe rent one from some company, and you can connect it, plug into your uh, to your computer, to your extension. You can have multiple Lightning wallets, and you can use them on Nostra. You can use them on some pages that use uh, Lightning payments. So it's like an interface multi-tool to use Bitcoin on the web, right? Yeah. Um, and you also get your personal at getalbicom address. So unlike some wallets, they either don't give you, we run your Lightning address server for you. So you can have, you have one, right? Uh, whether it's yeah. JackSpeed, getalbicom, or yeah. uh, you can also use it for uh, for your NOST identification because we all we know that NOST has this NPUB16 by like long yeah, yeah, yeah. thing that no one remembers. So you can identify yourself with a, with some domain and we also provide this address that... You can use the same one for your Lightning address and for your NOST address, which makes it very easy to um, to use NOST today in web. Uh, this Lightning address can be also used if you're a podcaster, so you can, or if you listen to podcasts, you can participate in value for value models and plug in your Albi account to various of podcast player apps or podcast distribution apps, um, and you can boost, you can zap. If you are watching this show, please zap uh, or send Boostagram with comments to Jack. Um, yeah, yeah I, mean, be... I, just, I just typed that in. So the, if you put your Albi address in the notes of a video on YouTube and someone watches that video and they have the Albi extension, if you're watching this live right now or after it's been recorded on YouTube, if you look up at your Albi extension in, in, in you know Chrome or uh, Brave or whatever you use, you'll see the color has changed. It recognizes that they're is that code there. And right now, if you want to send me five sats, one sat, are you going to send me 10 sats? I'll pay attention and put a message in there. that says, Jack, you're a jackass. You can do that from a YouTube video in your browser right now. And that is, uh, so, Hey, they're trying to, they're trying to zap you, dude. Um, uh, I'm trying to post. I'm trying to post my uh, address, but, uh, this it might be some filter. Stream, on YouTube. Stream yard doesn't let me, um, um, but, uh, yeah, it, drop it in uh, the private chat. Drop it in the private chat, and I'll do it for you. Because it's 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 throttling you back because you don't have the cred to be able to put certain things in it. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So throw, throw it is in. my uh, link at get Albi. Look how we have to walk around. Uh, it doesn't exist yeah. on Noster, or maybe it does, <laughs> but it has to be. Uh, it's not centralized. Relays can run this filtering, but then you can choose another layer, layer yeah. relay, which is not filtering. So it's Tom K get Albicom, but you have to, mm, for this uh, trick to work, and it works on various websites, Twitter, YouTube, uh, GitHub. If you put this bold emoji in front of your get Albi address, then it recognizes that hey, you can tip this person. So in various ways, we are trying to encourage this value for my value model in the internet. If you guys have more ideas how Albi could be utilized, we always encourage like feedback. We are trying to be very open with the community because Albi started as a community effort and it's we are very often listening to um, to suggestions of features or any bug reports. Uh, our users are kind of co-creating Albi. We are still figuring what, what Albi should be in the future, how it can position itself uh, and sustain itself, right, business-wise, in this uh, ever-changing Lightning environment, which is quite challenging. Uh, running these nodes is is not costless, right? Uh, and most of the users they do not pay today for such uh, for such services, but they have to realize that most of these ventures, these startups in Lightning space, are now 
sustained from money from investments. So they they are gain, getting some work at their building tools, but those things are not costless. And uh, Lightning users also should be aware that uh, payment day is coming. That the, the small little fees um, would be included in such places as Albi, as uh, most of the wallets. But we are also encouraging people to run their own node and see yeah. uh, what 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 effort it costs uh, with terms of uh, some I, stress. I, I think some, that's a good and advice. Some that's yeah. what I said. You know, I ran a node so I would understand it. I didn't really need to. And I just wanted to understand how it works. So I have an appreciation for it. The way I ended up hooking up with your guys at Albi actually was I was on Noster and some guy was bitching because he ended up with some small fee that goes from routing nodes because uh, he zapped himself by mistake and he ended up like losing a sat or something. I don't know. And I'm like, what kind of whiny ass bitch are you? Like, and I, and then Albi, whoever it was that posts on uh, Noster as Albi, was explaining how they don't really make a lot of money right now. And I'm like, y'all need to make some money. I zapped them like 10,000 sats instantly. I'm like, you're providing a service. And if you want to do everything on your own, you can, and you will find, like he's saying, it ain't free. It's not, first of all, you have to tie up capital because you have to, I don't like the word, but sort of stake capital on the Lightning Network. You have to convert off on-chain to off-chain, and you put it there, and then that's your balancing liquidity between the channels, and that money is locked up until you close those channels. Then you have to take the time to balance. Like, once a certain amount is received, you have to push that liquidity back to the other side. That's also not free. It's not expensive, but it's not free, and time isn't free. And there, there, they, I agree with you that there, there needs to come a point where – if we actually value something, we're willing to put some skin in the game. And it, if you look at the total number of users out there, it doesn't need to be a ton of per person. Um, but I, I would get far more out of taking, you know, 10 bucks a month or whatever it is and contributing it at whole to the Noster, all the lightning wallet universe than I would by giving it to Elon Musk for a blue check. <laughs> way more, way more because like you said, we got little folks out there that are working hard. Like I think one of the things people don't get, like we have in Bitcoin, we have BIPs, Bitcoin Improvement Protocols, and in Noster, we have NIPs, Noster Improvement Protocols. Anybody can write one of those. Then it's up to people that are running clients to decide, do I want to integrate that, that improvement into my client? Well, some of the things that are pretty much universally available across all these Noster clients now, that's how they start out. One guy over here did it, and then people – you know, made it. And I think that we do need to say, like, if you people say they want things all the time and then you say, well, here it is. It costs 10 bucks. And they're like, oh, I don't want it anymore. So you never really wanted it. Right. Like there has to be a point where we understand that in order to exchange value, we need to give some of that value to the people that enable the exchange. Mm, I, I'm trying to answer some of the comments uh, on okay. YouTube. Uh, <laughs> I can also, also tell you that uh, Albi extension is actually free to use, and it's open okay. source, and you don't you don't need you can plug into your node or any node of your choice and use it as you as you please. Uh, it stores uh, it stores your Nostra keys. It can store your seed phrase uh, that you can use to sign on-chain transactions, liquid transactions, and some other features that uh, most probably uh, will be also uh, encrypted with uh, with seed and with a similar uh, way of uh, using master key today mm, but it's totally uh, client side which meaning meaning that uh, albi or 
any client that you use with Albi do not see your private keys. That's why it's also important when you are using Nostr, uh, how you can use Nostr. These clients need to know your, need to sign events that they broadcast to the network. So they need to know your uh, key, right? You need to give them this NSEC. Right. This is your identity. And uh, there is so many clients. Would you give your private identity to this better clients that you are not sure who built? And so apparently you don't have to. You can use such tool as Albi, and there are a few other tools like this that you give, and it's client-based, which is running totally locally on your machine, and these keys are never sent to this server of your client uh, or servers of Albi. And the extension or such tool is using your private key to sign events, and then the client is broadcasting them. So kind of, in a sense, your keys do not touch the Internet. Uh, and whoever wants to try it, uh, we are always very open to visit our GitHub. Mm, find GitHub on GitHub, and there is a code of the extension to verify, to suggest new improvements for it, build better Albi, uh, and we are encouraging that. Yeah, there's a good question. Maybe explain because I, I know what you're saying, but maybe you can explain it better than me. Builder Castles says, and if you're running a Lightning node, then you can connect your Albi to it. Basically, you can run your own node through Albi, so you can use all these other features even though you're not using Albi's node. Is that the best way to explain it? Yes, Albi, as I said, Albi has this account, which is we give this getalbi.com Lightning address with a with a Lightning wallet service, and it also Nostra address. And there is extension, and this extension can be plugged into the account or can be plugged into your node, to your start nine voltage, LND, whatever node. It and can also plug into Blink Wallet. So it, it, you don't have to be self-custodial if you don't have Albi to use uh, the extension and use your sats on the web. Um, and just the reason you're seeing so much, start nine is a sponsor of the show. So a lot of people in the audience All right. start nine. That's why they're asking right. so much about start nine. Um, all of this really can be summed up in some ways as guerrilla activism. And that was the term that's on your, 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 uh, your application to be on the show. Can you kind of talk about guerrilla activism a little bit and how it relates to all the Bitcoin, everything we're talking about today? Oh, uh, I don't think I, I've been asked this question before, so I don't have read the answer. I think, uh, as, as I mentioned in my like libertarian activist career, uh, we did, like a soccer tournament, which is invisible lack of a free market. Of, yes, invisible lack of free market championship, right? Yeah. And so it's a. It, we're just playing soccer. It's it's not an it's not a it's not as you know advocating for lower taxes, but we are playing soccer, football as we call it, uh, with a you know Ayn Rand T-shirts or Ludwig von Mises, and we are like waving some lesser gods than flags, etc. So it's a. I think it's it's not a standard way to do activism, it's, but it's kind of building a good PR for this movement, for people around, oh, these guys are playing fun and like they're advocate for free market. We built bar in Warsaw, it's called Freedom Lounge. Mm. Once we kind of hacked the website of a Polish, like a largest bookstore to vote for Fountainhead by Ayn Rand as a like a public choice, so we, we got it into sixth place. Well, of course, not that many people are reading that, uh, unfortunately. Mm. So this type of various uh, activities that, well, they, they give me fun mm, doing some graffiti with you know less fur uh, slogans or or going we we did this uh, libertarian chess championship we did uh, mm, lesser fest summer festival so it was like 200 people in a forest yachting and then concert in the night 
uh, I think this, you know, it's, it's fun leisure, but it's, it's when it does good PR for laissez-faire ideology, for Bitcoin, for freedom, uh, I can call it it's an activism. So I have at least some, uh, you know, good conscience that I do something for society. It, it kind of an umbrella term to put it all under. And, and Mike C here is saying it's kind of like guerrilla gardening, plant seeds in the mm. public ground. And so we have a lot of people in our audience that are guerrilla gardeners. They just, you know. Uh, we just had uh, a gal on named Blue Lotus from the uh, Vegilantes, they call themselves, right? And uh, their whole their whole slogan is plants don't need permission and neither do you, right? And oh, that, nice, nice. I, I, I love that. And that really is like I did not make the connection when I had her on to Bitcoin culture, as you call it. But that's that's really exactly what Bitcoin's all about, like. If you use a bank, and I have a bank, I mean, most people do because I have a lot of my life that's still in, I guess, the mainstream world, um, but it's permission-based. Like, my bank can decide, Jack Spirgo doesn't need a bank account here anymore, and go, we're locking your account, and then I maybe in six months I'll get my money, right? And they give it to me in a check, and if I can't get another bank account, I have a piece of paper that's pretty much worthless because I need a bank to use the check that was my own money. But Bitcoin is permissionless that in that it's geographically independent. If I decided I'm done with America, I'm going to go live in Tasmania. I don't know, whatever. Well, I got to get my money out of the United States to Tasmania. If I go to Tasmania, my Bitcoin's with me wherever I go. It's in my head. It's, it's, it's 12 words. It's a record. It's an app. It's whatever I want it to be. But what it isn't is something that somebody else can say, no, you can't have that or no, you can't spend it right now or no, you can't spend it on this thing. Because I've noticed that as well. Like Bitcoin's a perfect example. When, when I first started buying Bitcoin, I could just take my bank debit card and go to Coinbase. That's how long ago this is. And stick my credit card number in and buy Bitcoin with my credit, my bank debit card on Coinbase instantly. And it was done. And one day I went to do that and do a, you know, a routine buy. And it was like, we don't take this form of payment anymore. And it turned out it wasn't Coinbase. It was the bank decided they didn't want Bitcoin transactions anymore. So that, I had same. I had same issue. Yes. Yeah, they could do it with ammunition. They could do it with guns. They could do it with anything they don't like. They can turn on because people are like, well, if you get CBDCs, they'll be doing this. They do this now. They do this now. It's just you still have cash as an option in some other ways. You can work around it. But right now there are a whole list of things. And I see it posted all the time, Noster, Twitter uh, or X, I guess, you know, like my bank just sent me this letter and it's all these things are not going to allow purchases up where Bitcoin's like, I'm giving shit what you do with me. I'm, I'm yours, boss. Like you tell me where to go and I'll go there. I don't even know where to refer. Yes. <laughs> I see you. Yeah, man. Um, it's, uh, I, I guess I guess also uh, you're in the U.S., right? Yeah. Yeah, so you can feel there is a bit different American spirit of... Uh, of yeah, like we're pretty much... We, freedom. We, like, we are the don't give a fuck nation. Like, we don't care what you like. We don't care what you want. We're going to do our own thing. There's a picture, and it looks like a very, like, proper family. It looks like it's from England. And, like, all the kids are dressed in nice suits and everything, and, you know, like the mom is England and the dad is Ireland and the little girl is Canada and then it's Scotland. And then there's a the little girl off to the side 
And she's got like a biker jacket on and like a bandana on her head. It's like the United States. And that is, and I think that's true. And it's also mythology, depending on where you are. I live in Texas. We really don't give a shit. Like you mentioned COVID. We just didn't like that. We had, we had lockdowns and we had uh, mandates and all. And like at least half of us just said, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm going to go out and go wherever I want. I'm going to go in here. You walk in the store, sir, would you like a mask? No, I have one. And you just keep going. And and eventually our governor basically like rescinded all the restrictions, mainly because nobody was following them. And that could have been everywhere. But places like New York, New Jersey, California, I, I don't even consider those places America anymore. I mean, they just don't act like America anymore. And so I think. What, what do you think is happening there in a longer run, like 10 years? I I don't know if they got 10 years before they're completely down the toilet. I mean, I don't know how much you fought, you know, mainly you pay attention to your backyard. So, and I mean, everybody, not you personally, but like in California right now, we have places where there's literally homeless people shitting on the entryway to a business. And if that business owner goes out there and pushes that guy off while he's taking a deuce, the cops will come and harass the business owner, but they won't do anything to the homeless guy. Crap and on like I don't know how you even function when you've gone that far down. So I, I've been telling people like, and it's not just the, it's not really the states. California's a huge state, right? It's San Francisco, Los Angeles, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, New York City, Chicago, Illinois. Like I call these flashpoint cities, and my advice mm-hmm. is get out, get get away from them. You know, at least 50 miles outside of the city limits of these cities. Because they seem to me like a recipe for absolute disaster. And I'm not so much worried about like the apocalyptic TV show type version. What I'm saying is if you have a business in Los Angeles or San Francisco right now, all you're having is the underlying value of your business completely eroded and destroyed. And you only have a limited amount of time before you can extract yourself and take some of it with you before it becomes like stranded capital and you can't get it out, if that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it cannot be stranded with Bitcoin. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But you're building, you're building mm-hmm. your inventory, your employees, your goodwill, your brand, right? All of that can end up very localized and contained and trapped. And if the city's value is going down, then everything in the city's value is also being trained. I mean it more like that. But yeah, yeah. At least if you if you take all your surplus capital and sweep it into Bitcoin when you leave. Because there's there's even talk now, and I don't know how they would ever get it done because of the structure of U.S. government right now anyway, but like of like there's taxes on people when they like renounce citizenship and leave a country sometimes, like a portion of their wealth is seized. And there's talk in some of these states because they have such an outflow because moving from Texas to California is pack your shit up and leave. There's no application. There's a, you know, we're a republic. And so you can just move to any one of the 50 states. Well, that is actually starting to really hurt some of these states that are behaving stupidly because it's not like their population is going to zero or anything, but they're productive people are leaving. Mm. Like right now, if you want to rent a U-Haul truck, which is a moving truck, right? And you want to drive that U-Haul from Los Angeles to Dallas one way, mm-hmm. it will cost you about three to $4,000. If you want to rent it and go from Dallas to LA, it's like 1500 because they know it's coming back. They know when it goes to Texas, it's never coming back. But if it goes to California... But what, they, ta- they tax it? or No, or it's just, that's, the price? What all, that's what the company charges to rent the truck in a one-way move. 
because they when they send, okay okay when they okay. let you take that truck from L.A. to Dallas, getting that truck back to L.A. or getting some exchange done with another location is mm-hmm. difficult because the flow is all out. But if you're going from Dallas to to L.A., they'll cut your rate because you're doing them a favor. They've got a truck that needs to go back there. You see what I mean? Like that's how massive the exodus is, and it's been that way for years. Hmm. So, and do they up, update later this uh, number of electorals that uh, they get on elections each state? Yeah, and that's being polluted because this is like the civics, U.S. civics lesson. Like, so we have electoral votes, we have representatives based on population. So they're letting all these illegal aliens come in. And then even though they don't get to vote, at least not yet, at least in national elections, they're part of the population. Okay. So there, there's some of that outflow being replaced. The damage to the state is there is some of that. There have been some congressional seats lost and stuff, but the damage really being done, in my opinion, is your entrepreneurs, your small business owners, your your large business owners, like the people that employ people that pay taxes that actually get you done. They're the first people to leave. Um, you know, they pissed off Musk in California, and he just moved Tesla to freaking Texas. Like, like, okay, I'm just like, like, you're going to shut my business down because of a virus. Okay, I'm going to go to Texas. And I'm not a huge fan of Elon, but man, I respect the hell out of that decision. And that's one of the advantages. We're a big country with a lot of states and states have individual sovereignty. Like I said, we're off the Bitcoin thing, but it's an interesting discussion because we, I don't think we have enough of these discussions. Like, so people understand each other around the world. Like your whole world can change by moving one state to another in our country. Like, there's no income tax in Texas at the state level. So I pay federal income tax, but I pay no state income tax on my money or my business's income. How, how, how much different would it be if you would live in Orange County? If I lived in California, I would pay, I believe, 13% personal income tax. And I pay zero. Okay. And there so is some, some other difference. taxes. There are some, yeah, there is. And that's quite it's a lot. zero. There's states that have an income tax of 2%. There's some that are really, really high. Arkansas, like if you don't make much money, you pay like two percent. But if you make if you max it out, you pay like eight and a half. It's a like a uh, a graduated income tax. But if you're in Texas, you pay zero. Tennessee is zero. Florida is zero. I think why there's like a, a good five or six states that have zero personal income tax, and several have zero corporate income tax. Mm-hmm. So you can that's and then the regulatory environment, right? Like Musk was pissed that he just couldn't open his factory. I mean, it was down to that. It was like, I can't go back to work. No, you're not essential. Okay, well, fine. Fuck you. I'm going to leave. And that's something I think that a lot of people in this country fail to realize that they have that capability, like, or they make a reason that they can't move. And it's like you could move in some cases, if you're 50 miles from a state line, you might be able to move 60 miles and change your entire financial and from a business standpoint, your operational outlook. That's just something that people and that to me, doesn't that sound a little bit like Bitcoin and that you can take your capital with you when you go? Hmm. Uh, you also in U.S. have a, it's a culture again and probably infrastructure incentivize yeah. that you have a different culture of moving. Yeah, it's not so common here. Like, uh, that, you know, when your parents lived somewhere, they the grandparents also lived there and their great grandparents mostly in Europe. And when I know some Americans, they are like, oh, yeah, my mother came from L.A. and then we moved. And then six years yeah. later, we moved to yeah. Florida. And 
We are we are fluid, and we're also. I think part of that is that we're a large country, and that the kid goes to college, gets a degree in something they really want to pursue, and then looks around and there's not much opportunity where they're from, but some company in Tallahassee or some company in Chicago will hire them. So I think that generates a lot of movement as well, and I think that just the size of the country does too because there, and there's there's a huge difference. Like, you know, some people go on vacation to France, for instance, and they're like, I love France. So they move to France. You know, they could be from anywhere in the world because they love the difference in the culture and the way people act. Well, if you're in the United States and you, I promise you, if you're in Florida versus Oregon, there's a huge difference in not just money, but in the culture. But you don't need to apply for immigration. You can just, the fact that you can just go. I'm not sure exactly how the EU works that way. Like, can I just, mm. if I'm, if I'm in an EU country, can I just go to another EU country and live? Or is it just for a, you know, I don't know how that works. Now, usually it depends on your visa that you're getting. You as American, you will most probably have like 180 or 90 days to be in Europe and then come back to be back again. But one, once you're like in the Schengen zone, which is yeah. a bit separate, uh, uh, agreement than European Union, once you are there, you can travel between countries. In most cases, some people, they have uh, only permission to visit one country uh, from some, you know, third world country. I'm not sure if U.S. is already third world or not yet, if it's joining us uh, in Poland. Mm, but there is no checks on borders. I mean, yes, in certain cases, uh, when there is some immigrant crisis in Germany, Poland, yeah. or there is some... Well, here's uh, what I mean. You know, Let's say I was a French citizen, grew up, born and raised in France. Uh, I can go straight to Germany now, no problem. I, I get that. Can drive drive there. Can I buy a house, start a business, and live in Germany without doing anything? Like just just do it. There is many people who just live there, and uh, nobody checks when did you enter okay. because there okay. is no border check, so nobody knows when did you enter. But if you, of course, if you buy a house, if you run a business, they would rather need from you some uh, residency permit or something, right? Okay, that's what I'm saying. Like, so here, like, if I went from Florida to Georgia or to Texas, I just go and I do whatever I want, and mm -hmm. anything that I would have to fill out, like, is starting a business. It, 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 the person that was born and raised in Texas would have to do the same thing. It's not like because I came from Florida, I have to like change my driver's license. That's about it. It's I don't know. We're kind of off track there, but I, I think it's an interesting discussion about the difference in because we don't think about that enough, I don't think. And so we judge people's statements without understanding their situation. And I think that's a huge mistake. And, and, and that's mm. true within the United States. Like like what statements? I don't know. Like when, when the pandemic was going on, like people telling other people like, well, why'd you get a vaccine? Well, if that person happened to work in a state that mandated it for certain classes of employment, they didn't maybe didn't do it because they submitted to the, the authority uh, in a direct way. Like I did it because I was told they did it because they made a decision about do I get to keep my job or not that I had 18 years and I'm two years from retirement. And a person in a state where that didn't happen has no frame of reference that that person was even in that situation. They can't conceive of it because they didn't see it or experience it. And I think that that's just one example. There's many things like that where you see a person say a thing, do a thing, act in a certain way. And maybe they're maybe they're even wrong, but you don't understand this, the, the dynamics that made them make that choice. It wasn't necessarily something they wanted to do. Mm, uh, 
have. Maybe I don't. I don't <laughs> think I, ju- I. I don't think I judge people based on this because, the, yeah. as you're saying, this like this is so super nuanced topic. I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm more general. Adding here. some circumstances, yeah. I'm more general. You and I, maybe we think, but the average person doesn't think. Like thinking is thinking's not really popular in the world hmm. right now. And I think that as thinking gets more popular, we'll get more Bitcoiners to kind of bring it back around. Because if you think, the more you think, the more you start to realize like the problem. And then you look for the solution and you look for the thing that matches the pattern of the solution. And, you know, it, I, I would tell well, people. Now artificial intelligence can do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe <laughs> we don't need to learn. Artificially. Um, I actually love Yeah, but probably, probably, probably it does more than... Well, those general yeah. people that don't think, or, yeah. or however we, we'd like to call them. Mm. I, I sometimes, uh, sometimes I prefer. Sometimes, you know, in some cases, I prefer to talk to this AI than to some <laughs> certain people, but not as a general rule. I, I, I need to tell you that I, uh, over the years, of, 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 yes, I'm younger than you, but over the years of uh, being libertarian activist, I, uh, I kind of again uh, subconsciously follow the vision of Ayn Rand, I just uh, care less mm, about these societal problems or whether majority of people think or do not think. Mm, I don't think anything else than Bitcoin could change it as of today. Mm, internet did not. Didn't let, didn't uh, teach people how to search for the truth, uh, how to exchange information, how to just, you know, Live better, maybe. Maybe, yeah, it did for many people, and it, of, of course, uh, internet brought lots of, uh, lots of uh, development, but it didn't uh, become what uh, like early libertarians were hoping internet would bring. That it would like, yeah, it decentralizes this media. In some, we have WikiLeaks, we have Nostr, but not for general people. They, they will be general people anyway. Whatever tools we have, and uh, whatever we do, whether we are doing soccer tournaments uh, or uh, some movie festivals. Uh, I don't do them also for these general people. I do it for, for people like mm. you and me and, and yeah. for myself, for my own pleasure. Uh, yeah, it, it can, it can have a positive f- impact on society, maybe uh, as a side effect, but uh, it's not a primary goal for me anymore. Come, come let's circle back around and close this because we're over an hour now. Um, do you got anything that's coming from Aldi that you guys are excited about that you're willing to say this will happen someday soon? Mm, we, we've been launching uh, recent months a lot. So <laughs> and we are a small team. It's not uh, that uh, easy to launch everything big and every few months. So we need to also maintain what we have and these things uh, had preparations. We recently launched Bitcoin Connect at Bitcoin slash Bitcoin. This, what, is, what is it in English? Bitcoin Connect uh, dot com. Uh, you can check out. It's uh, our new uh, proposed uh, way to very easily implement uh, Bitcoin payments uh, on a web, on apps and on, on native apps and on web apps. For dev- It's for developers, not for end users, but end users also will have the more wallets and the more... Uh, Startups will be using that standard, uh, and they already do. Uh, some of the nice platforms already do. Uh, we believe the innovation of Bitcoin will be even easier. Same we do with Nostra Wallet Connect. Uh, that's our standard. That maybe end user, uh, like uh, majority of listeners, uh, naturally uh, is not uh, will not see. 
mm, because they are not developing, but uh, they would see eventually when these things, these various maps, wazes on Nostr will be built because of uh, the tools we developed at Albi, uh, then hopefully we will see a lot of big, big things. But I don't think about anything major that we will launch soon. Nothing I could, yeah, we, we have a few ideas, but uh, nothing I can promise. Uh, I can only uh, ask you guys to yeah follow GetAlbi on, on Twitter, Nostr, and let us know what you think of this product. Maybe you have some ideas what features we should implement, because uh, as I mentioned, like this uh, ecosystem is young. It's very mm, evolving quickly in directions that, uh, well, we no one expected uh, probably exactly where this would be, and we don't know also what will happen in next six months. How regular regular letters could maybe crumple on us on on such uh, companies, or maybe what uh, new innovation could or new problem somewhere could bring adoption and more NOST users. Uh, so we are yeah also evolving and we are trying to evolve uh, with the community support. Uh, so yeah, join us, follow us, uh, use Albi, get Albi. Uh, recently we had to kind of hide new registrations behind the uh, invites and it's, uh, it has strategic reasons so we could focus on building and providing good tools and prepare the hive. And, you know, the infrastructure has to be ready for that many people that uh, are willing to use Albi. Mm, but I'm inviting all of your listeners. If you guys need an invite code and you don't have Albi yet uh, account, uh, please message Jack uh, or, uh, Asking comments, I will visit that soon and we will make sure that you get your invite code. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jack, for this conversation. Thank you guys for comments. Uh, it was a nice, nice, nice evening for me. Well, thank you for being with us. I will let people know I do have a handful of invite codes. Um, the folks at Albi have been good enough as I told them out to give me more. Um, I'm wondering how many I will have access to depending on how heavy this show hits when the, cause the audio side will get like a hundred thousand downloads. So we'll, we'll see how that goes though. I would think a lot of the people that are in this space are already all the users cause I've been promoting it for such a long time. Um, really? You're I, having hundred thousand users. Yeah. Listeners on episode. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Hello everybody. I should have dressed, <laughs> but it's, it's a video is only on YouTube, right? And, and that's, that's or, only because believe it or not, episode. like my least popular shows are Bitcoin shows. Like some of my other shows will get 200,000 downloads. So it's all right. Yeah, so, it, so maybe I should spell my uh, Twitter more properly. <laughs> it's Tomek K. It's not just it's it's Tomek K, but it's actually I T S T O M E K. It's yeah, I, I've got so in the audio notes for the show, I have all your links and all of all these links and the Bitcoin Film Fest page. I've got all that in the audio notes. So, uh, if anybody wants to connect with Tomek or any of these other resources, uh, just go to the survivalpodcast.com and pull up episode thirty four thirty nine which if you're listening to it anytime soon is today. If it's in the future, you can go back and find it. And dude, I appreciate you being with us today, man. This was uh, this was a fun interview. Uh, me as well. Uh, thank you. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Jack. It was a very good uh, conversation. Uh, come to Poland, guys, anytime. Uh, <laughs> it's Tom McKay on various platforms, and uh, we are doing this halving party in April and Bitcoin Film Fest. And if you want to come over and meet some fellow uh, Bitcoiners or libertarians uh, hit me up. Uh, I'm well connected over here and we'll be happy to show you around. And, and as someone that grew up in a Ukrainian family in Pennsylvania, I say like, go for the food. Right? Like, <laughs> if nothing else. Oh, as someone who grew up here, I, I wouldn't tell you that. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I grew like up it? in a part of Pennsylvania that was very Slovakian. So, like, 
you know, we had a lot of Polish, we had a lot of Ukraine, uh, Lithuanians. Uh, it was weird. We had like all these Slovakians and then we had Irish. <laughs> it was like, and, and it was like a thing, like it wasn't uh, an adverse thing, but like you knew, like in high school, like I went to a high school where I graduated with a class of like 200 people. So it wasn't a very big school. And like everybody knew who everybody like, he's Polish, he's Lithuanian, he's Georgian. And, and, but we were all Americans, really. It was like our grandparents that actually spoke like native tongues and stuff, but it was just, it was a weird eclectic mix and food. All the food's fantastic. Luskies and Lukies and all of it. I'm so, probably too much used to it. Um, yeah, but yeah. 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 Well, yeah. You, yeah. That's how it is. Like you're spoiled. You, you don't know. Europe, Europe is also, uh, you know, it's different in this regard that, that here you, we can drive, you know, 600 miles and drive through five different languages and seven different kitchens. That's, that's true, man. Well, again, man, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, everyone. Cheers. Bye now. All right, folks, real quick before we wrap up, I want to remind you, if you like this show and the work that we do, you can help support our efforts by doing your online shopping where? Well, just begin that at tspaz.com. If you start your online shopping uh, at tspaz.com, you help us out no matter what it is that you eventually buy. Uh, today's item of the day, I thought I had pulled up an adult, so I'm pulling it up right now for those on the video. But it is, well, it's a boring thing. It's a little one-and-a-half-quart uh, slow cooker. And I use this because I am so meat-centric in my diet. And uh, it allows me to, like, take leftovers and toss them in. I give a whole write-up on this little gadget here as to ways to creatively use it. Those of you that still work in an office where you have to go in and you have lunch and all, man, this is a great way to eat better than the crap they serve you at your cafeteria or in your break room or whatever. Uh, check it out. I brought it up today because it's, like, 25% off on sale. So check that out. But remember, everything at tspaz.com, I own it, I buy it, I buy it again. Or I do not recommend it to you, and that's my item of the day for you guys today. I want to remind you also, I do still have the Bioreactor Compost course available for sale. That's available at homefoodsystems.com. Uh, we've had over 100, I think over 100 uh, students enroll in January since we launched it the second week of January. And uh, we haven't had a single complaint yet, and uh, we've had some pretty good feedback on it, so it's totally worth uh, checking out. Uh, if you want to feed yourself, then you really need to learn about biology over chemistry in your backyard. And that's what the foundation of this course is. I'll let you know we're also very close to releasing another course there. This one will be free to get people to try it out, and it's going to be on principle-based permaculture design. Uh, it's a five-chapter course, and I just wrapped up Chapter 4 and got it over to Tom today. So I've got one more chapter to do. Uh, then Tom's got to work his back-end magic because I don't know how any of it works. And uh, once that's available, we'll open that for registration. So if you've been thinking about taking a course and you're like, I don't know, and it's only 40 bucks, guys. But if you don't know, take a free one. Get get a, a feel for what it's like, uh, the educational platform that we're building there. We're designing it to teach people to produce food in their own backyard. I think that very much fits the ethos of Bitcoin and the culture of Bitcoin and that independence is really the most important thing. If you're not independent, then you're dependent. It's one of the two things. That's all you get to do is choose one of those two sides. And when it comes to things like my money and my food and my associations and my communications, I don't want to be dependent on anybody. Anyway, with that, I will catch you guys tomorrow. We, it's a Thursday, so we have an expert council Q&A. That means it will not be live stream, won't be a video version of it because those guys are all over the place and it's 
pre-done. And then Friday we'll have a flashback. And the next week we'll do it all again. So next live stream will be Monday. Unless something pops up, you never know. So get on our Telegram channel or group because that's the one place you can be sure that, you know, I'm not shadow banned or whatever. You'll see it. And uh, it's just like text messages that you control from me or from the whole community. Your choice. You can learn more about all this stuff. Just go to the survivalpodcast.com, click on Get Social to stay connected with us. Take care, guys. Have a great day. Are they going to bail you out just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way You don't have to be another face in the crowd You don't have to live the way they tell you to Make your own way The others will follow Revolution